Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me, as always, is Josh Cacho. Josh, how are you feeling? I mean, you know, I guess you can only go up from here, right? I mean, it's it's a little lo- looking up at the top of the table from the very bottom is a much different yeah. feeling, I think, that we're used to. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, we've we've also rode rode that wave and come crashing down way earlier than we needed to as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. at you know, as much as I want, you know, there's definitely a lot to talk about and a lot that, you know, we're probably going to criticize tonight in terms of how we've been going about it, you know, which is no different from every other LAFC fan at this moment, to be fair. Um, yeah. You know, I I still think, like I said, we're, we're early on in the season where I think there's, there's definitely, a, there's definitely room for improvement, if you will. Yeah, it's still time to fix it for sure. Still some things that you see that are working well, even though other parts are not and that those parts are tanking the team. Um, so obviously we're talking about the two nil loss to Seattle. Um, LAFC come out in a three, five, two, once again with blessing and Marco Farfan as your wingbacks, uh, same kind of midfield that we've been seeing with, um, uh, K Atuesta and Sifu in the middle with Baird and Rossi up top. Um, we've talked at length about the three men back line and why or why not it is a good idea for LAFC to go to. What I will say is in the first half, they figured out an effective way to press out of the three, five, two, um, and Seattle are a team that you can press really well. We've, we've done it multiple times in the past. It seems like we have these, you know, back and forths with Seattle. Everybody talks about it. In some games, our press is absolutely stifling. In the MLS's back tournament, LAFC had a huge win over Seattle um, due to their press, and Seattle just was unable to do anything at all. Um, and today was a tale of two halves where they were effective in the press, but still couldn't generate any sort of attack to speak of. We'll talk about why we think that is. Um, and then in the second half, they fell completely flat after a few adjustments. So here we are once again. Yeah, I mean, and again, after what the third or fourth game we're in a row now, where we where things have felt, you know, like we're a bit toothless at times. Um, you know, it, it again, you start to feel like a broken record. But I think the one thing that we can look at is like we can pick on tactics and look at these little the little things here and there. But my question is, how close are we to playing? how close are we to the principles that we've, that were laid out to start off this from the beginning that we've come to learn and to learn and love from this team um, and how far we are from that from now. Right. Because I think the one thing that we've, we've talked about, you know, in past seasons and um, you know, and early on in this one, right. Is that tactics can vary from game to game, depending on the situation, right. Depending Mm -hmm. on who we're playing against, depending on, you know, what's, what's the game situation, right. Those tactics will change on a minute to minute game by game basis, right. Depends on what, what, what's going on, but the principles are definitely the things that we should never stray from. Right. Like, because, you know, I think I was listening to Vincent Max talks about this last week after the galaxy game. Right. And, you know, they were encouraged because they felt like the principles that we were still playing towards the principles, you know, of how we want to go about things. And they got a bad bounce on that first goal that Chicharito scored and, you know, and so on and so forth. In this game in particular, I felt like we were nowhere near from a principle standpoint, what, what LAFC has shown that that's what their plan is, Right. You know, as it as it pertains to when they are they passing and moving, are they doing these different things? Is there a clear, you know, approach to where where how to create chances and these different things? I just didn't see it. Right? Yeah. It almost felt like they were going through the motion of of at times, but without intent. Right. Yeah. It's it's they're playing football. But it's football without ideas. To go back to, you know, Bob's uh, what's it called mm-hmm. famous rant on the on the little ESPN Plus documentary, yeah. right? Like that that it it just doesn't feel like there's any any ideas out there as opposed to what you know that 
are going to, you know, now open up the defense that they're facing, right? Again, I, that's what it feels like to me as opposed to a, ta- a purely tactical thing, right? Maybe, you know, like we can pick on, you know, Blackman's positioning on the three-five-two and some of these different things, right, that leave some space here and there. But from a principal standpoint, are we where we want to be? I, you know, at times this season we have been, but it's definitely not consistent for 90 minutes. Yeah, so I mean, let's let's go over some of those principles, right? Obviously, the high press is a hallmark of of LAFC's style of play, right? If there's one principle that's associated with them, it's that. And like we said, that worked well today. And so many of LA, LAFC's goals, and they've scored a ton of them in the past, are off of um, a lot of pressure high up the high up the pitch or in the middle of the field and a quick release to one of the all-star caliber, you know, wingers that we have in Rossi or, or Vela. Um, the second principle would be playing possession-based football, right? Moving, moving the ball around the field, probing and circulating in order to move your opponents out of the spaces that you want to attack. And that's where we've seen... Uh, Atuesta and Vela connect so many times with passes in between a center back and a right back or in between the two center backs and Vela's coming in, you know, on that inverted diagonal run behind the line or, or Rossi, the same thing. And uh, that's how we've been able to unzip defenses in the past. Um, and that is missing. I, I would say that's the one for me that I, I have no idea how this team wants to attack. And we can say till we're blue in the face that, well, I mean, Carlos Vela is not there. So, of course, the attack doesn't look good. But like you're saying, Josh, your tactics can change from game to game based on personnel availability, all that stuff. This team didn't completely fall to shambles when Vela was in the World Cup a couple years ago. It didn't completely fall to shambles when you're missing Rossi. Um, But the attack right now is certainly in shambles and the team looks like it is completely lost. Like you said, they're, they look out of ideas. Atuesta, I don't think plays as well up the field. If you think back to the first season um, that he played with us, uh, where he's playing ahead of like Benny Failhaber and whoever else was here at the time, he didn't look that great. Granted, he was a younger kid, of course, but when he moved back into that defensive midfield position, he looks much more comfortable, and I think he sees the field better there. So that leaves us with, you know, the the three-man rotation ahead of him in Blessing K and Sifu, none of whom seem to be able to play the final ball. K had a great ball to Baird over the back line today. Baird took it off his chest and gave it right to the keeper. Um, but that's the only pass that I remember being worth anything. So... To me, that's where it all falls apart is somebody from the midfield or your wing backs. If you're, you know, if you're really dedicated to this three, five, two, somebody has to, has to do the creating. Uh, and one thing we talked about too, and I promise I'll stop here in a second, let you get your two cents in Josh. But if we're go, if we're really running out there in what looks like a three, one, four, two, um, which is how I see this formation because the wing backs are pushed so high then all four of those players have to be capable of just shredding the defense with their passes. And Blessing is not that guy. Marco Farfan is not that guy. He's probably the most effective of them tonight uh, at that left wing by at that left wing back spot. Sifu doesn't seem to have it. And again, Atuesta is out of position here. So I'm not really sure what the plan is. Yeah. I mean, I, Here's the thing. I think this team was, when you kind of look at how it all breaks down in terms of the those same principles again, like where you you were just talking about, right? I, I have to wonder, like in year three, can you still do or four, four, year four? This twenty twenty one just kind of was out the door for me. Um, <laughs> in 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 this net, you know, in this in this next phase, right? can you still do exactly the same thing without being predictable? Right. right. Because I think we that, talked about this last year. Right. Cause I think to me, this is, that's, 
that's what and i think rightfully so like there's a bunch of people on you know that we've seen on twitter kind of saying it it feels stale right it feels like we're just kind of going through the same things over and over and over again hoping that something's going to change right do you are we attacking with the full you know like the fullbacks aren't committing to fully to the attack the way that they should be in the three in the three five two right mm-hmm. like they're kind of in this no man's land and then so then the the midfielders get pushed super far forward but then now you get opened up like a can of worms right when when in especially on that second goal where they just kind of pick your midfield apart right when like a few minutes after Vela gets comes onto the field right you just get stretched trying to push that and like I said especially in if the fullbacks are aren't fully committing to you know like I said like Brad Smith is fully committed to playing that wing back, that wing. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know what the back part. He's just a wing at this point, right? Like he's fully sold out into that because he knows that those midfielders are going to flatten out, right? Like mm-hmm. there's this weird sense where I feel like people don't know when to go and when when to hold, right on the outside because you're, there's yeah. so much flux to what they've been doing, what they've used to being doing, right? We've we've seen Latif, you know usually function as that you know as that in that um, what's called in that anti anti-10 role right in the, in the midfield three as that got free eight who's usually responsible you know typically it's what back you know he can pick up the ball make his turn get into space and then pick out either blackman coming down the flank right or one of the forwards coming back towards him right that's mm-hmm. to me that's his best thing because in that tight space he usually can control that ball in the turn right his initial, yeah. if you're asking him to thread a pass, you know, to make that final pass, we're not getting it, right? But when I've seen him at his best was, right, make the turn into in small space, take a few dribbles, f- put the ball at Vela's feet, and then let Vela do work. Yeah. Like, you know, when he when he does that, then that's when they're at their best, right? It, it was Kay on the other side who was doing a little bit more in terms of finding He'd find Rossi occasionally, you know, he's finding, you know, that runner, you know, he'd find Dio making the run, right? Especially, mm-hmm. I think it was against Seattle where you saw Kay kind of come out of his, you know, show this new passing that we hadn't seen before in season one. Um, I think it was Seattle at home um, in 2019, mm-hmm. like the third game of the season where they, like, Kay just kind of took over the midfield, right? And now, fast forward to this one, right again, and now it just feels stale. Right in terms of when, when those ideas come, it doesn't look like they have that next thing that is able to unlock because they can. Like, it's almost like they don't. They're just unsure of what, what, what is their strength at this point. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, this is the thing. You're going up against professionals, right? Uh, not only professional players, but professional organizations, and these coaches are going to be studying your film. And if you've been doing the same thing, if you have the same patterns of play and you know everybody's tendencies, then these players can key in on what you're doing so that when Atuesta picks up the ball and Carlos starts that run, the center back and the and the right back know that they, or the center back and the left back, I guess, need to need to close down that that gap because we're going to try and play through. And I mean, that's like a very uh, overly simplified version of it, but it serves to to illustrate the point, like you said, that if you don't change things here and there, and again, we're not talking about changing principles, we're talking about changing tactics, then you're going to hit a wall. And this to me is where LAFC is. They know exactly how to play Blessing and K. They know exactly how to play any of our wingers that aren't named Rossi or Vela. Um, and we don't have any strikers, so... Yeah. Uh, they know exactly how to play that position too. <laughs> but I don't know if they think the changes have to be that dramatic, right? My thing is like, okay, you saw what was happening in the second half, right? In terms of like the, the press is now starting to look like they can't close down quickly, mm-hmm. right? Like they're a step late, everything is there. And we've shown over, even go back to the last couple of seasons, even in our most dominant season towards the end of games, you start to see the press start to fade because they're going so hard for the whole game. Right, that they yeah, become yeah. less effective at every other phase of the game, right? Like mm-hmm. the passing becomes a little bit more sloppy because the press is the most important thing, right? Yeah. And I remember seeing this from from te- you know from Liverpool, you know, like in 2016, 2017, right? Where it, like everything was about that press to the point where they just don't have that next thing 
when you when it's called for and my question is can you now do something similar like do something like this right instead of pressing for 90 minutes right you you press when you in specific spots you know like yeah, yeah. you press at certain times of the game you know you change the triggers you change up the thing as opposed to again at times it feels like that press especially in the second half it feels like they're just like you know when you watch like what u7 soccer and it just feels like the there's like a crowd of kids just following the ball around <laughs> yeah. right that to yeah. me that's what the midfield press looks like to work. like look at the second goal seattle second goal that's what the midfield looks like it's ball being bounced around and it's three guys just following the ball right yeah. there's no yeah. there's no angles to be made it's like they're not playing an angle they're not playing a zone right it's just just pure you know three guys trying to man mark guys who are just you know from a passing standpoint just outplaying them yeah right and what what good does that do right you're not going to take you know like maybe you get them to you know someone makes one little mistake and then you can take the ball from there but it's not Mm -hmm. it's not tactically sound to do that especially when you're chasing goals right as opposed to can you now be a little bit especially if you're in a three five two and you need to be more structurally sound right because if if you have guys out of position and then now you're trying because of the press you're going to get beat if you if you don't if you if you happen to miss if you don't turn them over right so right. I, think, I think that's kind of what you see on i think it was at the end of the first half right blackman has kind of pushed up super half the field from that right that right center back spot mm-hmm. right and then i think because again i think there was just that's part of the like part of the tactic right Right, you know those those outside center backs push to be, up a yeah, little higher. The, the, the outside center backs, sorry, the outside center backs have to be pushed higher because they're the rebounders, right? So they got to be in position, and they got to be also fast enough so when we turn over the ball, they can recover. Sorry, I, I know you were going somewhere with that, yeah. but right. And so then in that in that specific instance, right, when the ball's turned over high and we miss on the initial press, Seattle's off to the races at that point. Right, mm-hmm. and how often have we seen again? Our midfield is not the greatest at maintaining possession, right? So that was the other thing you pointed out. Right, it's like we want to be a possession-based team, but how can you be a possession-based team if you're just ping-ponging on the ball off of off of defensive yeah. midfielders? Right, we've did this against Joe Corona and what's that, Perry Kitchen, right? Yeah, and those guys are not good. <laughs> yeah, right? so well, how- I mean that was the thing, right? That was what they would do is they would just take away at West and be like, "Fine, blessing and K, you guys beat us," and yeah. we wouldn't. Because right? they can't. So you had a team with Fabio Alvarez at the 10 who just would hound that Tuesta in the, kind of the Latif Blessing anti-ten role. Yeah. And then they had two defensive midfielders who would just sit in front of the center backs and not move. Yeah. Right? And what are, our midfielders are supposed to now recycle and cycle the ball hor- like laterally to get them to shift and move and then make the cross. But instead, mm-hmm. what do we usually end up doing is just kicking the ball straight into people. Right? Now, if you miss the counter press after that turnover... They have acres of space. Yeah, yeah. Right, and that's exactly what happened on that second one. Right, Blackman's up there trying to make something happen, which he's supposed to do. Like that's his that's his role in that position, right? I mean, maybe not mm-hmm. that high up, but I mean, he is supposed to push up into the formation, right? And then next thing you know, the the press is late. The press is a little bit slow. The press misses, and then now yeah. there's acres of space to operate in, right? And you that just can't happen. Yeah, right? well, so, and that's the thing. So one thing I want to hit real quick on this is. When you when you press like this, you need to be a high scoring team because you accept the risk that you're going to turn over the ball and put your defenders, you know, your one or two defenders in a really difficult to defend situation. So it's kind of like living and buying die that by living and dying by that sword, right? Where you know that you might give up some goals, but you also know that your counter press is going to be so effective that you're going to score plenty of goals to win almost every game you play in. Um, and like you're saying, if your midfield isn't good enough to create those chances or, you know, create quality turnovers and then that lead to chances, then all of a sudden you're just counter pressing and being attacked and the ball is, you're just constantly picking the ball up out of the back of your net because you're, you're only living up to half of your, of your game plan. Right. Yeah. Like, here's my question for you. Can you simultaneously be, a 90 minute pressing team as well as a possession based team. Cause I think yes. to me, it feels, it feels like slightly like there's, it feels like it's, it's two opposites to a certain degree. 
Right, right. So I mean, so the it's why uh, most of the time, I, and it, this is perhaps arguing semantics, but um, most of the time these teams are called possession teams, right? So again, and the gold standard is you know, uh, Pep's Barcelona or Cruyff's Barcelona, where the idea is we want the ball because we can't score if we don't have the ball. And if we, so we want to do everything we can to protect it. And if we lose it, we want to win it back immediately. That's the, that's the real idea. Um, I think LAFC is a little bit different because they want to cause those turnovers upfield. So, I mean that, and that's fine that there's nothing wrong with that principle. Um, but if you're going to counter press the entire game, you need to protect the ball <laughs> when, when, you know, if you're not, if there's not a good transition opportunity, you can't force it you then have to say, okay, now we have to break them down because we didn't get the right kind of transition. Um, so, and I mean, I don't, I, you know, we've seen Bob do it before. We talk about it. We talk about Bob's bunker ball where, you know, it's just four, four, two sit low and defend. And if there's a transition attack, then sure we'll take it. But um, otherwise we're happy to not have the ball, but that's not what LAFC are trying to do. They're trying to turn the ball over, go fast, score the goal. But, we can't go fast because our passing is bad. We can't score the goal because our finishing is even worse. So, yeah, because to me, I think given, I mean, maybe it's a maybe it's an issue of MLS, you know, roster construction, right, and the roster rule in terms of mm-hmm. not being able to put a team that can do both. Like mm-hmm. that, 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 that is what comes to you know is my kind of one of my questions. It's like if you're talking about a, you know Barcelona. You know the 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 bigger possession heavy teams, right? Manchester City, right? This current iteration, actually, I mean, like, you know, Liverpool at its best wasn't even like when they won the Champions League and then the league. I don't even think they were a great possession team. Like they're actually they scored most of their goals on the counterattack, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. that's why I think like if you look at like, let's look the two the two Pep teams, right, are probably the two better possession style teams yeah. that, we, that we, we've yeah. seen ever, right? We we don't have that type of personnel to be able to play that purely that way, in my opinion, right? Like the touches, you know, like we don't have Kevin right. De Bruyne. Like you have to have, you know, if you were to do it in MLS, you need a midfield. I mean, you need Seattle's midfield, right? You need a Nico Ladero and a Roldan who's not spectacular, but is settled, mm-hmm. right? And, and, is, and is composed, Right, like neither of our right. our two eights to me are composed on the ball. Sifu is a bit more composed. You know, Max touch is a bit heavy, and Blessing always feels rushed. Yeah, in terms of like how you know, like I said, just their aura and their presence on the ball, versus you know, you go to this Man- Manchester City. It was David Silva, the smooth as silk, and Kevin De Bruyne as your eights. Right, that to me, that's what you have to have if you're going to have guys dictate the ball, dictate the play from the middle of the park in that way, right? Versus, I feel like we have a more industrious midfield that would thrive off the counter, mm-hmm. right? But the question though is, and you saw it at MLS's back tournament, right, where it was when Vela didn't go, right? So you have Rodriguez and 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 Rossi kind of taking care of things up top. It was interesting to know, right? I think this, I don't know if you noticed this, right? How many times those guys on got on the break and just were at breakneck speed making things happen, right? They kind of mm-hmm. sit in a, in a 4 4 2 block, absorb pressure, right? And this is with Dehan playing defense, right? As, as your, your primary defense, I mean, this is bef- you know, before the Orlando game, but when you look, you look decent at that point, and then you spring the, you spring the attack over the top and mm-hmm. get those two, those two guys into space, right? Is this team with Carlos Vela that needs to play a little bit more possession heavy, not built to to work to his strengths with the current midfield? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair question to to ask. Like, are, do we have the right people to support Vela, or do we have the right people to sustain without him? Um, I think both of those are things that you need to have. Um, if you've built your entire team around this one man who is now aging and has had some injury trouble, then you're obviously going to go through rough patches. Um, and at the same time, if he's the key to your success and you don't have the right pieces around him to support him in the right way, then you're obviously equally uh, challenged. So 
to answer your question about can you have the right players in place um, in MLS, I, I think you can. And I mean, he's right there in the midfield. Edward Atuesta is going to be the best example. And you might not always have somebody like this, but a guy whose touch is appropriate, uh, whose vision is appropriate, the touch on his passes is appropriate, and his ability on the ball, his ability to maintain possession of the ball in one-on-one situations is top-notch. Um, so those that's like kind of four things that you need, I'd say, to, to play in a possession-style team. And right now, the other two midfielders, as you're saying, don't have those. I think arguably they only have one each. Um, they both are good on the ball. Once they're on the ball, they're hard to dispossess. They can both break free. Um, they can both get away from pressure. But uh, the touch on their passes isn't great. Their first touch is often in the wrong direction or, or too heavy. Um, and they're not, you know, they don't, I think, Mac probably has better vision than, than Latif. He's at least trying some of these balls, which I think is another reason that people are so frustrated that he turns over the ball so much. I think he's seeing it. He's just not able to play the ball every time. So uh, I know not every midfielder that we sign is going to turn into Atuesta, but I think that's the kind of profile that you need to look for. Those are the qualities that you need in, in midfielders. Um, and clearly just having... Latif and Mark Anthony K on the field because they can press isn't enough. It's just not like, I don't know how you could watch this team for what is this game five now? Um, I don't know how you can watch the team for five games and think that it's going to be okay because there's just not enough creativity coming from the midfield. I mean, my other question is, you know, to, to, to go on top of that, right. Is, If if your if your your intent is to press for ninety minutes and to put tons of pressure, can you do that with nine guys? Right, because right. cut out just for a second there. You something about nine guys? Go ahead and re-say it. I'm sorry, yeah. Jack. No, no, no. If if your intent is to is to press, you know, and that's part of your philosophy and part of your 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 um, you know how you're going to go about your game plan. Can you do it with nine guys on the field? Because that's what you're going to have to do with Carlos Vela on the field at this point, right? Like he's mm-hmm. not a guy that's really going to contribute to the press all that much. So the question is, can you truly be an effective pressing team if you don't have, you know, every guy being able to, you know, to get stuck in and do what they got to do? Yeah, that's a good rhetorical question. Right? Because you know, like you look at like right now that probably the, the one of the better pressing teams. Right in the world is Liverpool. It's because you have Roberto Firmino willing to do all the dirty work in the middle of the field, and and the other two forwards are willing to track back and do those things as well. Now, mm-hmm. are the, are they less inclined to do it? Sure, but they're also in there, getting getting stuck in, and then they're going to break out and do it. Right, like they they're not lazy. You know, they're not in. You know, they're in on every ball. Right, right now the only two guys on this team. Not, I'd say probably. There's three guys right that are on the field constantly that you know are going to get stuck in on every single counter press, and that's Corey Baird, Latif, and Mac. Yeah, right. There, there's those are the three guys that you know are going to be everywhere on the pitch. But can can it, can you really sustain 90 minutes with having, you know, can you you know keep with a box and one, essentially? Yeah, yeah. Where your your other guys just kind of cherry picking up the field in that sense, you can borrow a basketball term. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like you're going to get the best out of, you know, that's that you're going to get the best out of it if that's where you're trying, how you're trying to approach it without making adjustments for that, right? If you if you make adjustments and now say, okay, we know, you know, because look, look at Barcelona, right? They, they, they were a pressing team under Pep, right? Mm-hmm. But as Messi aged, you can't press with him anymore. Same thing with Real Madrid, right? So instead, right, you, you have Zidane set up Real Madrid in this in this kind of, lower block with Casemiro just destroying things at the bottom of the park. And then you have those two in, insane midfielders that can pick out any pass. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, like I said, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't know. It comes back to the criticism we've had for the last couple of weeks. Is the roster construction correct for what the philosophy is? Right. And you look at some of the guys that they brought in. Yeah. They, it's a, some of them are like for like replacements or at least the attempting to do some of those things. But, given 
what what the philosophy is. Can you do it around an aging Carlos Vela? You know, as as each year as you move in successive years, right? Because he is your talisman. He is the guy that you build around. But can you continue to play this style year in year out without getting stale? Because now people know that they don't really have to. You can play through that side, and it's you're not you know that center back or that fullback is going to have all the time in the world because Vela is not going to close him down, right? Maybe in yeah, maybe in the playoffs, yeah. but it's not you know like you know it's it's just it's not his thing, if you will. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean. <laughs> You know, it seems like uh, just yesterday we were watching him in the in the World Cup against uh, who was it? Was it? Did they play Germany? Mm-hmm. And Vela was tasked with man marking. Um, I don't remember what player it was now. I just remember watching him like literally all over the field. Um, that was only two years ago, three years ago now. Um, but I mean, it is a valid question. Like, do do we have the personnel to fit this? Um, I think you can still apply plenty of high press. Like you said, maybe you change some of the tactical triggers on, on when you actually go um, all out. I mean, again, we saw it today. It looked, the press looked really good for 45 minutes. Uh, and then you decided that, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> everything, everything fell apart when you made the first two subs and nobody knew what they were doing anymore. Atuesta was on the left wing. Rossi never left. He was still in the midfield. Um, Blackman was, I, I don't, I don't know what he was doing. He was like on the left-hand side and, and in the midfield. Uh, I, it's, it seemed like when you brought Valen, you kind of went to a four, three, three, but the, it's like, we always say the roles always change. Um, so it's hard to say like, well, did the press fail you or did the, the, reassignment of roles is that what failed you going from a, a three five two to a four three three it's hard to say um and the players are probably just as confused as everybody else is i mean they certainly looked that way on the field in the you know after they made that shift so i don't know i i don't know what it is i do know that there's not enough on this roster um to really fix this in the long haul i mean just look at look at who else would have come in today? Even if they were, even if everybody's healthy, um, Janela's on the bench. Opoku's hurt, but he's, I mean, he's not, he's not the answer. Uh, you brought in Carlos Vela, who is, you know, if there, if there's an answer, it's him, right? He's again, uh, this incredible talent, but you know, him coming off an injury wasn't, wasn't enough for today. Um, but I mean, who else do you have? There's, there's nobody else. Bryce Duke isn't there yet. All these guys that go and play with Las Vegas lights, they're, they're just not there. They struggle in USL. So of course they're going to struggle in MLS. Um, and you know, Danny Wusowski, he's just, they're not it guys. They're just not. Um, and I think we've got to accept that. And that's where the pressure has to be applied is, is on the roster construction, especially. Yeah, I mean your game changing substitutions were two fullbacks. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> man, like you're, you're at that point, you're chasing a goal, and your your substitution to change the game at that a double sub was a double sub for both your fullbacks. Okay, I don't, you know, like you know, I like what both of those guys bring to the table. You know, I think there's a lot of promise from Palacios and and Munwan, but you know, it doesn't, you know, like. Don't tell me you're bringing in, you know, Danny Alves at right back. Yeah, right? yeah. Like we're not getting that level of creation. We're not getting right. You know, like the, it's not Marcelo coming Marcello, into to like yeah. be the the spark that is going to to actually light the attack. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not what those subs are. Like neither you know those guys those two fullbacks are guys that get after it. Right. They're they're speedy. They get down the wing. They can send a send a cross in every now and then. They'll get down there. They'll go. To, they'll go end line to end line. Hit a cutback yeah. for a runner coming through, right? But do we ever have runners coming through? Right? When's the last time you no. saw an eight get into the so box? This on is the end this of a is cross? this is one thing I was I would I wanted to get to tonight too because we keep talking about principles and tactics and um the it might sound like a buzzword um maybe we should put out that Jose Mourinho video again about principles and tactics but 
one of the things that drives me crazy is our almost over-reliance or our insistence on making the fullback something that they're not. Um, because the fullbacks are just, you know, they'll get down to the attacking third and they'll send it across. But to who? Nobody's there. There's nobody there. We You talked about this last week where, you know, everybody in the forward line is 5'8 or, or below. None of those guys are going to get on the end of a header. So you have to be beating people to the end line and cutting crosses back. You have to be playing balls across the top of the six if you want to score goals. Um, and we're not going to get that from from the fullbacks. We're just not. It, it's clear that Far. I mean, Farfan is probably the closest one today uh, when he was playing at wingback. Latif doesn't doesn't have that gear. Um, maybe maybe Moon becomes that, but uh, I remember the, most of the scouting on him was that he's he's more of an interior player who's going to support the attack from from the midfield rather than over the end line. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think our best our best fullbacks in terms of how they supported our attack were Jordan Harvey and Stephen Bateshore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Why was it because they got up and down and, you know, like, you know, Harvey occasionally gets down that line and makes a cross in, but no, it's because they were exactly where they were supposed to be when you needed them to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And it allows their, their positioning actually allows, you know, K and and blessing to get forward and do their thing and actually try it yeah, and be more yeah. creative a little bit more because you have more stability. But you know, like since since we've had the addition of Jiki, you know, and and Blackman on the other side, I've just haven't yeah, you don't you just don't feel that same way. Right? Yeah. It's like since Betashore yeah. pulled his hamstring trying to get back against I think mm-hmm. it was like Dallas one night, right? Like mm-hmm. it just you you haven't felt like there had, there's been that same you know sense of calm and stability through the back line since his yeah. since his departure, you know. And again, why why the question is why is that right? Is it just a matter of the tactic? Is it a matter of you know again? Is it their inexperience? Is it they they you know those are the things that you have to look at in training because again I think I'm not too sure as the game wears on right. They're pretty good about it in the first half of most of these games, but as the game wears on. Are they adhering to that principle of play that has got you so far in this league? Yeah. Like, yeah. To me, the answer is no at this point. And I mean, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe that's what Bob is searching for with the with the shift to the three five two is he knows that he's not getting enough from the fullbacks in a four three three. Uh he knows he can't send them to to go do up guys one on one uh in the final third. Um I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is it's not working. It's okay to make conclusions and to say that, hey, this isn't working. You don't have to feel guilty. <laughs> like uh, pointing that out doesn't make you a bad fan. It, it makes you somebody who understands what's going on, who can see the game and say, hey, this isn't what we're used to seeing. Um, so anyway, uh, anything else on this game that you want to get to, Josh? Well, let's get the questions. All right, let's do it. Let me pull these up here. All right, here. First one, Josh, is from Ryan Olson. Y'all seem very high on K, but all I see is turnovers. Can you explain what I'm missing? Uh, Josh, I think you handled this Twitter exchange, so I'll let you drive here. I mean, I think you pointed this out earlier in the podcast, right? It's like he's probably the only guy that has ideas at this moment. So, of course, he's going, you know, like those those turnovers are going to stand out when he does have them, right? He just, he's not Kevin DeBruyne. He's not. Yeah. He's yeah. not David Silva, you know. He's he's doing. You know, Mac is doing. He's thinking that he, that that man is a knock on MLS starter for just about every team in this league, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the question is, are you that I have is, are we asking too much of him at this point, right? To be all these different things, because if he was as if he's as world class as we want him to be, he's not going to be at our team right now at this point. Yeah, right? he's yeah. going to be somewhere in Europe, continuing to you know do his thing, but you know for for what we need him to do, right? Like he's doing I, to me. Like I said, I he's I'll never question his effort, you know. And like I said, and he and he's at least making an attempt to create, right? Is it always what we want to see? Is it you know? So my thing is, I think you have to work around. You know, you have to now 
it comes down to coaching and the construction of the team to now work around what may what, what our guys may be slightly deficient at, right? So mm-hmm. if we don't have a final ball from there, then we need to have a guy that we that can now deliver it, right? And then use Mac as a guy to now clean up for what that guy may lack defensively. I mean that's yeah. that yeah. Th- that is both the beauty and downfall of MLS, right? Like your first four guys are you know a lot of times quality they can play all over the league you know all over the world right we did Mm -hmm. our little tier thing Mm -hmm. right like those guys that we think up there are probably guys that can play in europe you know any of the big leagues then you get below that right and you know your you know guys who are seven through 11 on your starting lineup you know are are very much mls guys right but i'm not expecting that much more right again maybe it's you know like maybe we should right maybe we should demand more you know, but again, I, 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 maybe this is a ceiling. I don't know. Maybe he has another level that we haven't seen yet, and, and he'll he'll pull it out. But to me, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'll always give him credit because I, I, he never, he never cheats me of effort. But obviously, we've been critical of him on the show. Like go through the first hundred episodes, and you know, like we've, we've never, you know, we've never not pointed out when he's done things that have been detrimental to the team, you know? Usually yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll be totally honest and own it. I was the one who, especially through CCL was like, Hey, you, this is, this is where you're going to see this fall apart is, is at this level where he's with the top international uh, teams in the region. That's where it's really, that's where he's going to start, start to struggle more. So that's where you're going to see the limitation of his game. Um, and like the, I stand, I stand by that. But like we've always said, he's he's gonna do a good job in MLS, and he's gonna do some great things. He's gonna have plays that you know uh, knock your socks off, and you're gonna be excited to see it. Um, but when when you start to test him at, at higher levels, that's where you're gonna see it struggle. Um, so anyway, next one from Lionel Hutz at from Cheap Seat. Also, what are the rules on head injuries? Seattle goalkeeper hit Ariaga in the head. Ball is still controlled in the area. Shouldn't the ref require them to clear the ball before stopping play? And why did the goalkeeper get the ball on a restart? Um, so the, it, generally the rule is you're going to let things play out. With a head injury where Ariaga goes down and he's clearly gaming the situation, he he looks like a limp noodle on on the field, right? Where he's just laying there not moving. The ref looks over his shoulder and says, oh, this guy's dead. I have to blow the whistle. Um, he blows the whistle and what's and Ariaga sits right up. Like it's just gamesmanship. And then so when the ball, when it stopped like that, um, it's going to be given. I think, I think the rule actually stipulates on a stoppage. If it's in that penalty area, then it has to be given to that goalkeeper. Um then typically, you know, the sporting thing is that they'll they'll play it back to you. Um, I don't remember if they if they kicked it back to to LAFC to to build another possession or not, but that's how that one works. So, all right, next one, Josh is como en el minuto once at Bombazo de Rossi. Would you prefer a team with major possession and beautiful football, or would you rather play counterattacks and try to be more dangerous? The majority of teams know how we play since a long time ago i'm not using i'm not against the system bob is using so this is kind of what you were talking about josh why don't you go ahead and take a swing at this one yeah i mean i think it depends on the situation and it depends on who you're who what personnel we have in the field right yeah. like i think if you have carlos vela as the primary driver of our offense you have to play more possession right mm-hmm. you have to kind of you know, you have to find him in spots. You have to find him with open space, room to run. You have to have guys moving and making the the, the just the right runs, um, because that's what how you're going to get the best of him, right? If you're talking about, you know, in the absence of him, or you know, or if you just want him to be the guy who picks it up in midfield and now directs that final pass to Orosi in space, right? That maybe that works as well. If you know, if you want to just counterattack from it, you know, like in that 4-4-2 where you have Velas come inside, pick up the ball, and then now, you know, he's because he's a guy that doesn't need to hit, to pick up his head and see where guys are going to f- find people in space. Like, he's going to yeah. just find the ball, feel it, and, go, and that's off to the races. So you can do that as well. But I think, right, it, like, forget, for example, against the Seattle, right, they're going to give you all the possession you want. Like, 
mm-hmm. they don't have a team that they really want to play a ton of possession with. There's there's very few teams in this league, right, that want to play possession, right? So, you know, you can play you can play counterattack against uh, you know, Austin because Austin's trying to now develop that identity. They're playing from the back, you know, even if it's detrimental from that, you know, to them at times. I think something that hurts us in terms of being able to play possession and play from the back is the fact that our goalkeeper doesn't have, you know, can't pass because that's a dude again that... with the goal kicks tonight too. Like <laughs> it's, it's so mind boggling to me. Yeah. I mean, again, like, you know, he can, he can start a counter. He can do those different things after a save, but what he's unable to do and something that's going to, it has become a problem when you look at it is you can't build up possession play and recycle play without having a goalkeeper who has feet. Yeah. Right? Like it's just, yeah. you just can't do it. Right. And, and that's one of the things that I think we're noticing now, right. Tyler Miller's feet were, were, you know, like I questioned his judgment at times of when, mm-hmm. at times in terms of when, what he needed to do in, when the ball's in the air and in no man's land, but yeah. he was decent enough with his feet that I, I wasn't worried about what he was doing. You know, like, yeah, he'd have, he had a share fair of gaffes as well. But he's more comfortable than Cisniego was. But you don't you don't notice it being a detriment, and, and that's one of those things where, like, a lot of times when I don't notice something, and I'll be thinking about, you know, what I haven't given any attention to is Tyler Miller's feet, right? <laughs> or you know what I haven't given any attention to Pablo Cisniega being hesitant coming out of goal. But what mm-hmm. I absolutely notice is how awkward Cisniega looks when we recycle possession to him. And he's trying to get the ball onto his right foot, but that right foot's taken away by the pressure. Uh, how completely awkward he looks, like, or with Tyler Miller, right? How disastrous he looks running forty yards off his line to try and clear a ball, uh, and then just getting chipped. Um, so that's that's one of those ways that, like, if you if you notice it, it's probably a big issue because yeah. again, we're just lay people, right? Um, but I mean, so you know, coaches think- are seeing it. What what's the difference between our Champions League team and now? Right? Yeah. I mean, you had Vermeer at the back who's quality with his legs. Right. Yeah. Shot right. stopping is a whole nother story. <laughs> and yeah, since he's continues since to have wondering what they're doing too. <laughs> con- continues. But I mean, but then that's that's their whole thing there, right? They have that whole Dutch front office that that's what they're trying to build. Okay. Right, right. Like I mean, at least the, the, I mean, give them a, a for effort. And the quality is a whole yeah. other story. But yeah. I mean, but that was the thing with Vermeer, right? It's like, couldn't, sh- you know, like he would have weird gaffes, couldn't stop shots that he probably should have. But did you ever question when the ball was recycled to him and you needed him to start play? Right, right. And just send it right back in. Yep. No, right? it's, like, it, he could handle it. You know, you would see, you know, sometimes there's these, these weird passes that get over, you know, like that I'll see. It's like a ball that's over the top, right? That typically you see the center back track down, play to the goalie who can now play it back to him. That's not a thing. Mm-hmm. With, with Cisnega because what happens now is balls played over the top you know center back gets the ball gets the ball they either try and find another center back which is why they're playing with three or they give it to him to just launch into outer space yeah that's yeah. the only options like what what possession are you playing at this one point? of them one of the goal kicks today it was you know the little toe tap to Segura and Segura just took off dribbling to the left like he just took off dribbling what are we what are we doing you're telling me that you can't put Segura over there at the beginning and let Cisniega pass it to him away from that pressure? Like, you got to put Segura right in the middle and have him dribble off like a maniac trying to get away from pressure, and then put. And I think he put the ball out. It was. I, it had to have been like the 50th minute or something. Um, I, dude, I, I, I don't get it. I've never seen anything like that, aside from youth games where you have a goalkeeper who legitimately cannot pass and ah dude it is (laughs) that is the most mind-blowing thing to me but Uh, i mean like i said so that's why i think you're you're caught in between you know like and go to go back to this question right you're caught in between two worlds you can't play possession soccer without without a guy who a keeper who can play with his feet right yeah but then you can't play high press if the guy can't stop shots (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. And then and then also when it comes to like counterattacking too though, right? Like you know, you still have to have distribution to, to counterattack appropriately, right? So that's a problem yeah, as yeah. well in that sense. But then also on the counter, right? Like I said, if if you're playing with Carlos Vela, 
you know, he's not in match. Neither none of our forwards are in match fitness to play purely counterattacking football. Yeah, I yeah. mean, maybe maybe and they're not going to put in back- the defensive shift either. Right, and it, so maybe it's a similar question to stylistically. Cisniega plays one way. He's okay for a counterattacking team that isn't going to look to have the ball or recycle possession too often. Um, and you could say that if you have the right front three in place, Mac and Blessing are your guys as well, right? Because they're going to create those turnovers in the midfield. But they're not going to play a great ball unless unless you're catching a team out, right? And there's plenty of space in behind for them to play a sloppy pass. Um but if you want to play possession style football, you're going to need somebody. Um, and no, I'm not calling for him to start. You're going to need somebody more like Janela, who's going to give you cleaner, cleaner possession. Um, but if you do that, we've all seen what Janela does defensively, and it's terrible. So maybe, maybe so many of these players are just one dimensional, and we're trying to play in too many dimensions. I don't know. Uh, follow on tweet from Bombaso de Rossi. The perfect example we can think uh, is the game against Galaxy in playoffs. We played a beautiful counterattack game and saw positive results. Yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of a theme of this show, right? Principles and tactics. You can change up your tactics game to game and decide, okay, we're gonna we're gonna mostly counter this team or you know whatever. We're gonna install these pressing triggers to counter, um, but. Uh, right now they can't really do anything. They got to get one thing working before they can get anything else working. Next one, Josh is from Roman Robbins at Roman Robbins. We seem to lose the same way more often than not and are incapable of playing a complete match. I'm getting tired of hearing how good we are or how good we could be. We were out coached the second half and am beginning to question Bob's process. How do you feel about what he said here? I'm getting tired of hearing how good we are or how good we could be, Josh. I mean, I think we're all in the same boat in that sense. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, because I think, to be fair, I think we all know where it should be. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we ha- we all have expectations of how this team should play, how it should perform, and it's nowhere near what we're seeing on the field. Yeah. Right? Now, the roster construction and some of these different things. And, you know, again, maybe the pandemic plays a big role in how these things have panned out, right? Isn't It leaves a lot to be desired, mm-hmm. right? And so, again, in terms of how it all kind of gets sewn together and where things are and where things should be, you know, that it, you know, again, it's, it's, it's understandably frustrating. And I think we're all there in terms of like, just kind of, you know, like, but I don't necessarily, I can't, my thing is, I think Bob's at least tinkering and trying to find something that works. I think most of this falls on the front office. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and yeah. I think people, you know, after listening, you know, going through and, and kind of seeing like the, what I think it was like the, the Thornton interview with, who he, with Tenorio, I think. Did yeah. He? Yep. Right. And, you know, the question is, can you be a selling team in a major league soccer and still compete at the highest level because the teams yeah. that are winning the, that are winning are not all are not selling guys onto Europe for twenty million dollars, mm-hmm. right? It's Seattle who, you know, who I'm not even I don't even know who their DPs are the, other than Ladero, Ladero, Rui Diaz, and Joao Paulo, right? But all but all of those guys there are long are long term guys. Yeah, yeah, they're all they're all you know over twenty six type of player mm-hmm. that they're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And same thing with even Columbus last year, right? Darlington Nagby is the linchpin of that that whole thing, mm-hmm. right? You know, and and Zardes is your DP, right? So don't tell me you have to spend money in this league to win games. You just have yeah. to have the right pieces, right? Yeah. And this team is not pieced together in a way that's conducive to winning at this point. Right? No, absolutely. Um, the front office has a ton of blame here. And, um, as we pointed out before, you can, you can complain about the pandemic and the situation that put it us in, but guess what? Lots of teams in MLS got better during this pandemic. Um, lots of, lots of teams in MLS had to deal with the same market conditions that we did and, uh, and they made it work. We had Bob talk about how. Rossi and Atuesta should have already been sold. 
Um, so I mean, maybe that, maybe that stunts people's growth. Maybe that is the real cause of the riff with the club and Rodriguez. Uh, maybe that's why Janela hasn't been able to develop enough because he hasn't seen the field because Atuesta is in front of him. And they, they want him to be the six. Um, but so far, when you look at this roster build, it looks like, um, a mix of speculation on guys like Sifuentes, Janela, Opoku. Um, I, I guess those are those are kind of the four that come to mind here. Uh, did I say four? Did I say three? May have said it. I can't remember. But um, so those three or four players, they're all speculation. And then you have USL guys, right? Danny Musavsky is is the guy. Uh, we saw the budget numbers come out this this week, and they were paying Kenneth Vermeer more than almost anybody on the team, uh, and that and they didn't hit on that one. So uh, they got to they got to do something. And like you said, it's probably time to bring in some some guys that are going to be involved for a long time, as opposed to speculating on Brian Rodriguez and and missing, uh, which is now. I mean. You, is that signing worse than than Andre Orta at this point? Yeah, I mean, at least it didn't, Orta wasn't, you know, throwing a fit in public. <laughs> he just didn't play. <laughs> Giving interviews saying he wants to go back to Peñarol. Yeah. Like, I mean, the man, the man went on loan and got in a fight with his teammate on the field. So, man, that that is a bad, bad situation. All right, next one here from John T. Lang at John Lang PhD. We played a nice first half, but needed a bit more urgency and much better quality in the final third. Besides missing Vela, why isn't our normally reliable offense clicking so far this year? So I think for those of you that have made it this far into this podcast, it's probably pretty clear why uh, what we think at this point. Uh, you don't have creative eights or tens, and you don't have creative fullbacks. Um, and the people that we thought were going to be providing that in like Blackman and Palacios and probably Kay and Cifuentes or, you know, Blessing and Cifuentes, they, none of them have showed up this season to, to provide any of that. And when they do have that rare moment where you know, they'll, they'll put in a good cross or a good pass through the, through the defense, the lackluster attack is incapable of finishing it off. So to me, that's it. It's, it's a matter of the personnel not doing, you know, not, not closing it down. Anything else on that one, Josh? No, I mean I think we've talked that one to death at this point. Yeah, absolutely. All right, three here from Christopher Colonna at LAFC twenty twenty one. Could there be a worse start to the season? Five points out of a possible fifteen. Negative goal differential. Bottom of the table in the West. Toothless going forward. No chemistry. We haven't won in a month now. This team is in a bad place. Um, I'm going to jump on this one real quick to keep us moving along. I mean, I, the, the obvious answer is, well, of course you could be zero for 15 points, but I, I don't think a month and a half ago, if anybody asked worst case scenario, where is LAFC that it would have been much worse than this. Yeah. I mean, I think if you want to ask for a worse start, ask Cincinnati, you know, yeah. but... <laughs> I mean, that's, about I mean, all, LAFC is in last place in the West. Has yeah. that, I don't think that's ever happened. There's the no first, way that's I mean, happened. First time in team history. Up per Kevin Baxter. I mean, it is it is bad. It is really really bad right now, and it's not just being in last place. It's like he says, uh, on top of a negative goal differential, the team does look lost. The team doesn't have any sort of repeatable attack pattern. There, there's just nothing. There's nothing there. It's toothless, like he says. The two upcoming home matches against Colorado and NYFC, NYCFC are crucial now. We need six points from those matches because after NYCFC on the 29th, we don't play again until June 19th. We need to be on 11 points and somewhere back on track heading into that three-week break. Josh, how do you feel about this next home stand here? I mean, I, that's too much math for me to think about that far into the future. <laughs> but... At this point, we have to play well in this next game. Yeah. Right? Or, or, or I think bigger changes are going to happen if you don't see things turn around. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can go much longer in this kind of, in this kind of uh, 
with this, you know, these, this kind of pattern of, of just poor performances. Uh, I don't think they're going to fire Bob. I don't want them to fire Bob. So I want to, I want to work through this and, you know, while, while there's still time in the season to make it work, is there still time? Yeah, absolutely. There's still time to make the playoffs. There's still time to make a good seed in the playoffs and, and go on a good run. So as that deadline approaches though, it's going to become those margins are going to be thinner and thinner. All right. Last one from Christopher right now. I can't believe there are people out there who actually had us as favorites or one of the favorites for MLS cup and or supporters shield at this rate. We'll be lucky to make the playoffs as a seventh seed before getting bounced in the first round. I mean, that's certainly what it looks like right now. Uh, some, something's got to give here. So, all right, Josh next. Oh, another one from Lionel Hutz. Deja vu with Seattle. At some point they figure out how to defend against them. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think we're Seattle have a very clear identity as to who they are and how they want to play. Right. We used to have that. And I think that's yeah. the issue that we're running into at the moment. Yep. Uh, unpopular football lover at foot fanatica Rodriguez out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if anything is going to save your season, it's probably dumping that contract and bringing in something, hopefully a creative midfielder. Yeah. That's, My that's question what I is, want. Was Rodriguez ever in at this point? Ooh, well done, sir. I don't think so. I don't think so. Pepe at just one, maybe one. Are we the least dangerous team on set pieces ever? Absolutely no threat to score on them ever. Um, I think I could probably think about three or four times we scored on a corner. I think Max got two on corners. Blackman has one. I don't know about any others, but I mean, you know, Vela's scored from plenty of free kicks before. Atuesta scored one against Seattle this year. As long as you have Vela's magic wand of a left foot, you're going to be somewhat dangerous. But still, I mean, it's a valid point that we're, it just doesn't like when we take it, I'm not expecting the score. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I don't know when the last time I thought when we lined up to take it to take a corner. Oh man, this one's going in, <laughs> right? Or even yeah. a free kick. I didn't even think Atuesta's free kick against Seattle was going in, and he kind of like snuck this one underneath the wall. So, all right, last one here, Dan Greenberg, at my shameless self. This roster has been mismanaged by Thorrington. We've lost a lot of attacking talent, notably guys like BWP and Dio, who could make those runs in the final third and score goals. Vela is great, but even he benefited from benefited from having finishers around him. Yeah, I mean, agree Absolutely. on on Dio. A little less on BWP. I'm not sure how much he had left in his tank in terms of getting in behind, but I mean, he's definitely a better finisher than what we've had as of late. Mm-hmm. But I think not having a create a, a creative midfielder to put in when you need it is a big hurt as well. Right? And yeah, we've, we've previously had something there. Yep. And again, we've talked about it. Dio uh, is a huge loss, a huge loss for this team. Ramirez was a mistake, I think. Um, it's just not great. I am going to say one thing here. Uh, I came across a source close to Mohamed El Munir last year and kind of have a back and forth with this person um, who talked about the falling out that El Munir had with the team and how that was kind of due to clashes with Bob and the front office's focus on getting Palacios on the field right away. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't want to speculate a whole lot, but this person has been ahead of the game on all the El Munir related news. So it's clearly a well-placed source, but they also told me that there were similar problems with Dio where, once there's, you know, once they bring in Rodriguez and they want Rodriguez on the field, doesn't matter what Dio's going to do, uh, it's going to be Rodriguez because he's the big money, he's a big money player, right? Um, and that there was some sort of riff there as well. Um, so they got to figure that out. They got to figure out how to bring in guys at that level, at Dio's level, and not be too cluttered with with their dps i think that's a major problem with the way that they've gone after the dp position you know they keep signing wingers they don't know how to fit them on so it's just like well we'll just take the striker off 
And pretty soon your striker gets pissed and he goes to China. Um, and I think that's where I stand on how that all fell out. I know that there were problems, you know, his family was sick and everything. Some members of his family was sick for a while, but, um, I do question if some of these players actually feel welcome with the team. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think there's a big money signing. I think there's, that's where you're going to have the clash between winning games and selling players. Yep. Right? Absolutely. Right? It, Great you know, like example. Said, yeah. Like, True selling teams could care less whether they win or not, mm-hmm. right? And winning teams could care less if they start, you know, if a big money player is on the bench, right? How many big money signings were on the bench when, you know, when Man City wins, when Liverpool wins, when when Real Madrid wins, and Barcelona wins? There's hundred million yeah. other guys on the bench, yeah, always when those teams win, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. at to that point. Right, like in MLS, because of the constrictions, you have to decide what you're going to be. You know, I, I don't know if you can continue to straddle this fence and then expect to compete as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, Josh, that was a lot. We got. Uh, I feel like we hit the principles and tactics for a long time. A lot of questions. I know people are angry. Uh, we're hoping for better days as well. Um, you can follow the show at at counterpress underscore on Twitter, Josh. LAFC Josh on Twitter. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey, and we will talk to you all next week after our match against Colorado.